Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Kevin Funches was a 41-year-old school teacher in Houston. He was walking to a nearby fried chicken outlet when he fell into a manhole. His body wedged in just three feet below the surface, but he couldn't get out, and he couldn't move enough to reach his cell phone, which was stuck beneath him in his backpack. His shouts for help, they went unheard, and he was unable to even answer his phone, which continued to ring repeatedly as his now anxious family members were trying to find him. I just said he slept and he prayed while hoping he would come. On Saturday, after three days without food and water, he was finally able to maneuver enough to reach the phone and call 911. Rescuers pulled him out and said he was dehydrated and sore, but yet he was in very good condition. Funches says that the bizarre experience left him a changed man. He says, it makes me look at certain things a lot differently now. He said, they asked him, they said, what was your regret about it all? He said, the only regret I have is I still didn't make it to the chicken place. I want you to just kind of think with me for a moment. You ever, you ever been walking around doing life and the next thing you know, you're stuck? You're stuck in a situation and, and you want out? Maybe you're stuck in a job and you want out. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship and you want out. In a circumstance. Funches said something there I don't want you to miss, and that is, he said the experience left him a changed man. Sometimes we're supposed to remain where we are and let the changing happen to us. Sometimes we change jobs. Sometimes we change living places. Sometimes we change partners. Sometimes we change our bodies. And then we wonder why we aren't changed. Because the heart of the problem is always a problem of the heart. When it comes to what God calls us to do, oftentimes we want to change our vocational calling rather than allowing our vertical calling to change us. The truth of the Bible is this, we don't have to change vocationally because we've been changed vertically. We can remain in our vocational call because of our vertical call. Here's kind of where we're headed this morning, and they'll bring it up on the screen. I can remain in anything vocationally because of everything I am vertically. I can remain in anything vocationally because of everything I am vertically. Now, someone may have asked the question to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know that's where we're at. We've been preaching through 1 Corinthians. Someone has probably asked him a question maybe like this. What does Christ have to do with my vocation? Or how does the gospel shape my sense of practice and calling? You know this, that most of us spend our, most of our waking hours working. It's very important that we know and understand how the gospel informs the question of what we're called to do. 
Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, sheds some light by taking some principles he's already shared about marriage and applies them to now our vocation and our identity. So in honor of the reading of God's Word, I wish you would to stay in with me. We will be reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. I want to say another word to you, church, and I don't want to make you feel bad. I want to give you a word of encouragement. When you come to First Baptist Church, I want to encourage you to bring a physical copy of God's Word. Here's why. Because I want you to tell your heart and your mind that you're going somewhere different. I want you to have a physical copy of God's Word because we're in a different time and we're all so digitally in tune. I want us to just take some time out to say, no, this is a different space and there's something about having a physical copy of God's Word in your presence. I don't know what it is, it just is. But if you choose not to, praise God, I want you to know you still belong, okay? But I want to encourage you. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's one in the seats underneath the chairs usually around you. Take that one home with you as our gift to you, amen? And if that one doesn't work for you, we have some more. Pastor Justin, we have somebody in the church that says, give us money to buy Bibles for people who want other Bibles. We believe in the Word of God here, amen? And that's why we stand, because God is now speaking. The Bible says this in verse 17. He says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he is called. Were you called while a slave? Don't worry about it. But if you're able to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. You may be seated. We ask the Lord to bless his holy word. Here in this text, Paul offers what I'm calling a Big Mac practical theology, a vocational calling, and vertical identity. You're saying, what did you just say? Exactly. Glad you asked. Now I get to tell you. You ever been to McDonald's and bought a Big Mac? You know what's going down with a Big Mac, right? Three buns and two pieces of, I don't know what they call it. It's something. I think they want to call it meat. But I'm like Wendy's back in the day. Where's the meat? Amen. You know? But they, they do have three buns. I've discovered that. I know that for sure. But they've got three buns, right? And in between the three buns, bun, meat, bun, meat, bun. Right? That's kind of what Paul's doing here. He tells us three times in, in the chapter, he tells us three times, he says, remain in the calling that you've been called in. Verses 17, verses 20, and verse 24. Those are your three buns. And then in between that, he gives us practical illustrations of what that should look like, and that's the meat. Hence, a Big Mac practical theology of vocational calling and vertical identity. So, let's eat. Anybody hungry? You've already had donuts, now let's have hamburgers. And hopefully you picked the right one. By the way, I know that I was corrected up here. 
And I forgot to leave out that I had those, well, I didn't have those donuts in Tennessee. But here's something I wondered. Since we were in Tennessee, why didn't somebody volunteer to give us donuts? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, that, that, that's free. You want us to take up another offering? Is that okay? All right. Here's the first thing I want you to learn this morning, church, from God's Word is this, that my vocational activity does not determine my vertical identity. My vocational activity does not determine my vertical identity. Look there in verse 17. It says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one. Did you see that? As God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see, what was happening is, is some of the folks there in Corinth were thinking that because they had come to faith in Christ and had been changed, they had to change their occupation as well. Now, if it was immoral or illegal or sinful, yes, Paul would say, yes, you probably need to change jobs. But if not, they were to continue doing what the Lord had assigned to them. The Lord had placed them where they were at, and they were to walk in that. In other words, to live that out. In other words, you'll see this on the screen. We are to live out our vertical identity within our vocational calling. Live out this thing. Live out who we are in Christ in what we do for Christ. The word call, if you'll notice, as I read it there, is used eight times in these verses. You might not know this, but seven times it's used in the sense of our vertical call to salvation, hence vertical identity. It's that thing where where the Lord calls us to himself and saves us by his great grace like he did Kesed. In verse 17 and and in verse 18, it's used twice. In verse 21 and in verse 22, it's used twice. And then in verse 24. But in verse 20, as we've studied this in the original language, we notice that verse 20 contains the word and it's used a little differently. Same word, but different meaning. So in verse 20, the word is used in the sense not of a vertical call, but of a vocational calling. The word can mean there in verse 20 to invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task. Paul's hinted at this up there in verse 17 when he says, as the Lord has assigned to each one. The Lord has a task and he invites us or assigns us to do it. That would be our vocational calling. Again, it's different from the word of call to salvation. But what you need to notice there is, is that seven times it's used one way and one time it's used another way. And that tells me this. That my vertical identity is the spring, it's the source of where every Christian is supposed to draw their identity, their fulfillment, their security, their hope, their satisfaction. The call to salvation gives me my vertical identity, just like we just sang. I am a child of God. I'm an heir. I'm, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. That's my primary call. It's my vertical identity. Along with that and out of that, the Lord will give you your secondary call, and that's your vocational calling. While my vocational call can bring enjoyment, it is never meant to bring you your identity. Said differently and very simply, what I do does not and cannot determine who I am. What I do does not and cannot determine who I am. Look on the screen. I cannot look to my vocational call to produce 
what my vertical call provides. I can't. I can't look for my vocational call to provide what my vertical call produces. But when I live out my vertical identity within my vocational call, then my desire to change my vocational call lessens. Therefore, I can remain in that calling. I'm not looking for it to produce something that it can't produce. In other words, too many people change jobs when they should allow Jesus to be changing them. My understanding of my vertical identity in Christ now shapes my sense of vocational call. God has called us first to salvation, and then from that, He calls us to do something. And too many times we look for our work to provide our identity, or we think we're less than because we don't have an important job. Paul says, hey, remain, walk in, live in what the Lord has assigned you because he's alive in you. Your vocational activity does not determine your vertical identity. So why can't we really figure out in this day and age what we're supposed to do? There's much confusion about who we are and our identity, and therefore we don't really know what to do because we're looking what we do to determine who we are. So, look on the screen again, we confuse our vertical relationship with our vocational responsibility. And when you get those confused, life is a train wreck. Too many try to find their identity in what they do. They look for their vocation to supply fulfillment. They look for their vocation to give them security and comfort and satisfaction. And we look to the job to supply what only Jesus can supply. As a result, we look for our job to make us flourish rather than Jesus making us flourish. So Paul's kind of like, hey, here's the bun, but now let me give you some meat. So then he gives us an illustration, verses 18 and 19. He says, was any man called when he was circumcised? Well, don't undo that or don't do that. And then if you were not circumcised, then man, don't get circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, he says. And uncircumcision is nothing, but, but what really matters is keeping the commandments of God. So you got to understand some background here in 1 Corinthians. They wanted to gain acceptance from my others by changing the externals. Some were saying that to be a Christian, you have to lose your Gentileness. So you must be circumcised. The other group was saying, well, to be a Christian, you Jews have to lose your Jewishness, so you're going to have to be uncircumcised. Painful subject. Circumcision was embarrassing to the Roman world in which they lived. Historical documents tell us that Jewish men would go and have surgeries to undo the circumcision. You've heard about that in the news. People are still doing kind of stuff like that today. It's not a new world we live in. Josephus tells us that Jewish men wanted to be accepted in the Greek society, and so they had surgery to make themselves appear uncircumcised when they went to the gym. In that culture, they exercised in the nude. And so if you didn't want to let your Jewishness show, you would get that fixed. Or if, if you wanted to let your Jewishness show, you would make sure. And so this is a big deal. And so Celsius, who's a Roman encyclopedist at the time, 
He wrote a very detailed description of the surgical procedure for decircumcision. The rabbinic literature of the day is filled with this. Jews who had this surgery reversed were called epispatics. It's taken from the word, which means to draw over or to pull downwards, enough said. That's the term Paul uses here. He's making a play on words. Paul was reminding them that that Jews don't have to become Gentiles, and Gentiles don't have to become Jews. Salvation doesn't depend on circumcision or uncircumcision, because it's nothing. There's nothing necessary for you to do externally to make yourself right with God. It's an internal decision. So he's saying, were you saved before you were circumcised? Were you saved after you were circumcised? Then can't you see then that circumcision had nothing to do with salvation? It's nothing. Some were saved before, some were saved after. Circumcision is nothing, but what does matter is keeping the commandments of God. It was spiritually wrong because it added something to the gospel. It was practically wrong because it separated believers and families from each other. What did matter was, Paul says, keeping of the commandments. In other words, listen closely. Paul says, keeping the commandments is what matters. My activity is not something I can do to be saved, but it is what I do after I'm saved. My identity always precedes my activity. Said differently, my activity does not determine my identity. They were looking for something that they did to determine now who they were. If I do circumcision, now I am a Jew. If I undo it, now I am a Gentile. And all the more wondering, who are we in this culture? So maybe we should do something out there, activity to determine who we are. Paul says, my vocational calling, what I do, does not determine my vertical identity, who I am. That stuff is of nothing. What matters is my job. What matters is keeping the commandment, I mean. And so he says, my identity is Christ. So rather than change jobs, I'm to allow the change in me to change how I see my job. So now he says there three times in verse 17 and verse 20 and verse 24, he says, hey, remain in the situation you're in. You're saying, man, I don't really, really get this. Well, it's true. Listen closely. That if I struggle with my vertical identity, it will always be harder for me to find what I'm supposed to do. If I don't know who I am in Christ, I will struggle to find out what I'm supposed to do. As a result, then I will seek my identity in what I do rather than who I am. On the flip side, if I know my vertical identity, I don't have to fret about what I do or what I don't do because I'm not looking for my vocation to determine my identity. I don't have to have an important job. I don't have to live up to high society. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to have any kind of big-time job. I can have a little menial job because my job doesn't determine who I am. And then on the other end, if if I have a good job, I don't have to be prideful in having a good job because that job is not who I am either. And then if I lose my job, I don't have to feel like a loser because that's not who I am. (laughs) 
But if I do lose my job, I don't have to fall apart because my identity is not in my vocation. A vocational activity does not determine my vertical identity, so therefore you would expect the next statement that Paul teaches us. My vertical identity determines my vocational activity. My vertical activity, identity determines my vocational activity, so my vocation does not affect my identity, but my identity will affect what I do and how I do it. Paul then says, hey, now we need to move to the other piece of meat. He says, this is the second slice of meat. So verse 21 through 23, he says this. Were you called while you were a slave? Don't worry about that. But, but if you're able, become free rather than do that. He was called the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Don't become slaves of men. My job doesn't determine who I am, but who I am will determine what I do and how I do it. Look on the screen. I don't have to change what I do. I can change how I do it and how I view it. I have to change what I do, but I can change how I do it and how I view it. He says, were you called? In other words, that's the vertical call. Were you saved while you were a slave? Don't, don't worry about that. This is a present imperative. It's a command. In other words, he's saying, continually, don't worry about what you're doing in life. It means care not for it when he says, don't, don't worry about it. Don't bestow careful thought upon it. Don't, in other words, don't premeditate or study with a view or to devise a plan to change it is a, another translation of the Greek word. In other words, we don't have to change vocationally because we've been changed vertically. Look on the screen. We can remain in our vocational call because of our vertical call. Were you called while you were a slave? Is that, is that what you were doing? Is that the lot that the Lord had assigned to you? Is that where you were called? Is that where you were saved? We don't have to worry about getting out of that because that is what he's saying. That's his point. You can stay a slave because you are a Christian. How you view that and how you do that is what's more important. Keeping the commandments of God is more important than changing your job. Let me first be very clear. Very clear. Those listening on the radio by way of internet, let, let me be very clear. The Scripture never condones slavery. And... If we lived according to this book, slavery would have never existed the way it did in America. You just need to know that. Nevertheless, I have to help you understand how slavery happened in Corinth time so that you can understand Paul's point a little bit better. Modern slavery that we know of was about hard labor. Then, in Paul's day, being a slave meant that they could run a business, they could be a teacher, a manager, uh, they could even run an entire household. Forced labor was not mandatory. Modern slaves were sold involuntarily into labor and had no advantages. But in Paul's day, people would voluntarily sell themselves to others for advantages. And it breaks my heart to say this, but it is a true fact that modern slavery was race-based. But then anybody could become a slave. Modern slavery was more permanent but then, even as you read here, slaves could even buy their freedom. So Paul says, hey, if you're able to become free, then go for it. 
But if you can't, then remain in your vocational situation because of your salvation. Your salvation is going to help you in a very difficult situation. In other words, if you fall into a hole and you can't get out, it's okay because of who you are in the hole will help you see that very differently. Isn't that what the man said in our illustration? Paul said something like this similar. Other places in Scripture, one particularly today that I'll just share, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5-8. through Paul says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, render service as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether slave or free. In other words, if what I'm doing is something I don't really like, I don't have to change it because of who I am. My view of it and how I do it will be changed because of the Jesus in me. In other words, you can do a difficult job for Jesus. You really can. More than 50% of the Roman Empire, which is at Corinth, they were part of that, were slaves. Slaves were better educated, they were more skilled and more literate than the average free person. Many were doctors, teachers, accountants, and professionals. Here's what Paul's saying, it'll be on the screen. You can remain in your call. You can remain in your vocation and in your situation in life because your identity in Christ makes your vocation less than ultimate. Your identity in Christ makes what you do less than ultimate, but in our culture, we make what we do ultimate. You know how I know? Because within the first three minutes of meeting somebody, what's the first question that comes out of your mouth? Hey, I'm Steve. Hey, you're Steve. Hey, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been hanging out. What do you do for a living? We never ask the question, hey, I'm Steve. Hey, you're Todd. Okay, good to meet you, Todd. How you been, man? Well, I've been hanging out. Hey, man, you know what? Tell me a little bit about who you are. Tell me your identity. How do you see yourself? We don't do that. But, but just think about our own human language. Let me help you just a little bit. We are human beings before we're ever human doings. Your identity should determine your activity. If you are a slave, you can still live and work as a slave, as a believer. Listen, I am not talking about American slavery. Please know that. Hear me and hear me well. Please, please know that I never would mean that. that. That was horrific. That was straight from the pit of hell. That is never what God intended. You with me? I'm talking about here. I'm tying this text here. So, so make the modern analogy to your vocationals that you feel like you're going to be a slave to your job, okay? You don't have to work as if you've got a chip on your shoulder. There's no situation or job or calling that can keep you from living out your identity as a follower of Christ. Because verse 22, For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he was called while free is Christ's slave. You're not getting out of this issue. You're always going to be a slave to something. It's going to be to Jesus or to your job. Your slavery, though, doesn't have to keep you in bondage. Physical work doesn't have to keep you in bondage. You are free to live out of your identity, and you're free to live your identity. You've been freed from the slavery of sin, and now you've become a slave to Jesus, and therefore you can live it out. Verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. 
Just like you could pay for your freedom from worldly slavery there, there's a way to be freed from spiritual slavery to sin. But unlike those people, they could pay for their freedom, but, but you and I can't pay for ours. Because it's a perfect, holy payment. And you and I are sinners, and we can't pay for another sinner's freedom, much less our own. But Jesus, praise God for Jesus, who was not a slave to sin, amen. Jesus was not a sinner, amen. He's paid for our sin by his death on a cross. Therefore, we are now not to become slaves to the world, slaves to our flesh, or slaves to sin. That's what he says. Don't become slaves of men. No, we've been freed forever. So why go back to slavery and sin? Now that we've been freed in Christ, remain in that freedom. So if I'm in a job or a situation that really stinks, I can remain in it because I've been freed by Christ and that freedom now determines how I do and what I do. My vertical identity determines my vocational activity. In other words, listen to me. What I do does not determine who I am. But who I am will determine what I do. You've got to get that order right. A vocational activity does not determine my vertical identity. My vertical identity determines my vocational activity. Where would you see this out in the rest of Scripture, Pastor? Well, thanks for asking. I want to take you back to 2 Kings chapter 5. There's a, there a, a Syrian general named Naaman. And in that day and in that time, he was essentially the prime minister. He was the second in command to the king of Syria. He comes to Elisha, the prophet, to be healed of leprosy. And, and Elisha tells Naaman, he says, go dunk yourself seven times in the river Jordan. Naaman does it, and in the process, he comes to faith in Yahweh. At the end of the story, Naaman tells Elisha that he wants to compensate him in big ways, but Elisha says, no, nah, I don't need anything. So Naaman then gives himself fully over to the worship of God. We read about it in 2 Kings 5.17. But now, as a changed man, his identity has been changed. Naaman has to go back and still be the, the second in command with his king. And so his king says, you know what? We're going to go back into the temple of Rimon. And 2 Kings 5.18 tells us that, that Naaman now says, my identity has been changed. And Elisha, because I still have to do my job, I'm going to take the king back into the temple, but I'm not going to worship that God anymore. My heart's going to worship this God. You've got to know that that's my job. That's not my identity. And he goes back in now that he's changed and goes back and does some things that are very controversial to many of us. But he doesn't have to worship that God because he's been changed by the one true God. His identity now tells him how to do his activity. I'll go in that temple with my king because that's my job, but I'm not bowing down to that king. Because his vocational activity did not determine his vertical identity, but now his vertical identity has informed and even changed the way he looks at his vocational calling. So how do I know then if my vocation is ultimate in my life. How do I know that? How do I know if I'm looking for my job to provide only what Jesus can? I think there's three, three things that affect this as we begin to close. One is I have an unhealthy aspiration or ambition. In other words, I'm so future-based of what I can do or what I want to be that I'm not present right here. And 
I'm constantly dissatisfied by everything that's happening now because I want something to always be there. That's an unhealthy ambition. I'm not able to exist in the present. I'm not able to function in the present. I'm not able to serve in the present. So then I take risks for the wrong reasons. I try to obtain power. I try to manipulate the situation. I try to get bigger, bigger wealth. It's always about something else. But then another way I will know if my job or my vocation is kind of ultimate is that not only will I be have an unhealthy just, just desire to get out there, this aspiration or ambition, conversely, I would have an unhealthy ambitionlessness. In other words, I focus on the past and I'm always a martyr to situations and I can't I just, just go along always accepting the status quo. I, I won't take risk. I won't do anything else that helps other people with my resources. Yet one final thing is, and this one really will hit home for some of us, is if vocational calling is ultimate in my life, I will find it very hard to practice the Sabbath. Because work defines me. And I always have to be working. I have to be doing better, doing more, making more money, reaching that next level, getting that next customer, taking that next class. So I can't take the time to rest in the one who gave me my identity because I'm trying to work to figure out my identity. So I have to overperform because I'm insecure in who I am. So, as the band comes, let me conclude with some practical do-the-book stuff. I borrow some of this, a few of these thoughts from John Piper. I want you to hear me and hear me well, especially if you're listening by way of internet. I want you to know that we love you and we're glad you're listening to us. If you're listening by way of radio driving down the road right now, I want you to hear me say this to your heart. If you are one ethnicity, don't try to become or identify as another ethnicity. A whole lot of stuff going on in our culture, and this is a great practical implication. Just live as the Lord called you and as you were born, and you're going to be all right. If you are male, don't try to become or identify as a female. It is never going to work. If you are female, don't try to become or identify as a male. It will never work. God is very much more concerned with the way you do the job than whether you get a new job. In this congregation right now, I was thinking about this. We have nurses. (laughs) We have teachers. We have carpenters, secretaries, receptionists, social workers, Repairmen of all sorts, engineers, office managers, waitresses, plumbers, salesmen, doctors, bankers, decorators, musicians, architects, school administrators, housewives, pastors, and so many more. And what we all need to hear is what lies most on the heart of God is not whether you move from one job to the other, but whether we're present in our work, enjoying God's promised presence and obeying His commands in the way we do our work. As we've seen, the command to stay in the calling in which you were 
when you convert it is not absolute. So I'm not telling you today that God condemns all job changes. He said, if you can get free, get free. Paul is known to, to kind of preach a message and fishermen and they become missionaries and other people change jobs. Right? That, that's not it. Paul's not saying that a professional thief or anything like that should stay in the calling in which they were called, right? But when we come to Christ, what should we abandon? And Paul's answer is this. You never need to change jobs if you can do your job with God. If you can do it with God there in it, you don't have to change it. His concern is not to condemn job changes, but to teach you that you can have fulfillment in Christ, whatever your job is. That's the point. And that's very unfashionable in contemporary Western society because it cuts to the nerve of worldly ambition. And I'm going to say something practically. You can disagree with me, and it's okay. I'm okay with that. But we need to think hard and long about whether we communicate to our children about success, if it's biblical or it's just American. Because the Word of God, for us to be success seekers, it, it say to all of us who want really success, here's what God would say to us. Take all your ambition and drive that you're pouring into upward mobility and pour it instead into spiritual zeal to con- cultivate an enjoyment of God's presence and obedience to His revealed Word where you're currently at. For younger people this morning, listen to me, listen to my heart. If you've not entered a profession yet, the implication of our text is clear. When you ask yourself the question, what is God's will for my life? You should give the resounding answer. God's will for my life, first and foremost, is that I maintain a loving fellowship with Him and devote myself to obeying His commands. God's revealed will for you. And the only one, the only one for which you are responsible to obey is your sanctification, not your vocation. Devote yourself to sanctifying yourself in the Lord with all your heart and then just do whatever job you want to do. I have no doubt that if all the young people are bending every effort to stay close to God and obey the commands of Scripture, God will put you in the job He wants you to be in. I just believe that. The text implies that the job you now have, as long as you're there, is God's assignment. Verse 17 says, let everyone lead the life which the Lord God has assigned to him. God is sovereign, and it is no accident that you're where you're at. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his step, Proverbs 16 says. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but as the purpose of the Lord will be established, Proverbs 19. The lot is cast in the lap, but the decision is holy from the Lord, Proverbs 16. You are where you are by divine assignment. And your job is a ministry assignment just like mine is. How you fulfill the demands of the job is just as essential in life as what you do right here, right now. I can remain in anything vocationally because of everything I am vertically. You can do your job for Jesus because Jesus changes how you do your job. Amen? Would you stand with me? For those of you in the room today, there are two people that I want to call to this altar. One of you would be those kind of people who 
maybe like Kessid, maybe you've heard the, the gospel from the time you were even in the womb. <laughs> maybe you have a form of religion and, and you would just go to church and do all that, but did you notice Kessid said that something changed, now she wanted to versus she had to. And while my daughter is telling you in different phrases is this. Listen to me. I want you to know today that if you come to Jesus, you get your wonder fixed. I told you, that's what happened to me. I used to want to sin. Sin is fun. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it, right? Sin, sin is, 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 is uh, man, we all go do it because it, it's fun for a season. And we get off into that crazy stuff. And, and, and sometimes it brings temporary fulfillment, temporary satisfaction, but, but deep down inside, I knew it wasn't right, but, but, but I wanted to do it. But then the Lord Jesus convicted my heart, and guess what? I got my woner fixed. Now I just don't want to, amen. Jesus can change you from the inside out. He can do what you can't do. So today, listen to me, God wants to set you free from your sin. Through placing your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've never done that and you'd like to know more about that, some people will be here at the altar. Just come grab us by the hand and say, tell me about Jesus. We'll, we'll tell you. We'll be glad to. But there's others of you in here right now that this whole thing maybe have brought up something to you that there's some big job change on the horizon or you've been really just wondering, man, am I supposed to stay here? What am I supposed to do? You've got all kinds of things and the Lord's maybe laid something on your heart and you just want to surrender that. Or maybe you'd like somebody to pray for you about that. There'll be people here to receive you. And if there's any other reason that you would love to have us pray for you, we'll be here. We love to pray. Amen. So let me pray very quickly and let's respond as we sing. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and move in great power and draw us and point us to Jesus. And I pray it in His name. Amen. Let's sing.